uh, in Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 1. Uh, it says in verse 6, it says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Um, and this is just, you know, an encouraging word that Paul gave to uh, Timothy. It's really a word of exhortation, right, to, uh, to do these things and put, uh, put, uh, uh, put thee in remembrance. So, you know, it's helpful for other people of the Lord to put you in remembrance of things, right, um, and to not be offended when somebody does that. Well, I already know that. Um, no, the, the Paul was encouraging uh, Timothy to remember uh, and stir up the gift. You know, the Lord provides uh, us gifts many times. He puts gifts into our lives, and these the gifts here, the supernatural miracle-working uh, power of God gifts uh, that, uh, that Paul had imparted to Timothy by the laying on of his hands. Uh, but they're still, uh, even though they're supernatural gifts, they're given to us by the Lord, uh, they, they come from the Spirit of God, uh, but we do have some responsibility. And those gifts could lie dormant uh, if we're not careful. They could lie dormant. And, and these gifts here that he's talking about are given to us to be a blessing to those around us. Uh, and uh, we have the responsibility to make sure that we stir that gift up, that if it's there, that, that we stir it up by, you know, meditating on it and thinking about it and, and um, you know, praying in that direction and, and keep it stirred up and then yielding to it when it comes. Uh, and um, we don't know which uh, specific gift it was that uh, he was given, if it was one or more or what, what it was in particular. But whatever the gift was, uh, Paul said we have responsibility in the maintenance of that gift, in the, in the um, uh, responsibility of, of uh, being the steward of that gift, that our responsibility is to stir that gift up so that uh, it's effective and, and, uh, and is fresh and uh, and is available to be used uh, for the people that are, that are around us. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, a, as with many verses, I see a lot of responsibility on my part. You know, there is the sovereignty of God that he chose to give that gift uh, to Timothy. So there is a sovereignty uh, aspect of God in there. But there is a personal responsibility we have over the gifts that uh, have been given to us in our lives to make sure that we stir it up, right, that we, that we don't allow it to just kind of, uh, go dormant and then, you know, uh, sometimes even forget about it. You know, sometimes people, you know, the Lord's not used me that way many, many years. And I know sometimes the Lord will use people in, in very specific uh, ways that, and may only do that one time in their life. Uh, but uh, this this gift here, the implication is that it's something that is of great value to the people around Timothy. And Paul told him, you know, uh, to remember the gift uh, and to uh, stir it up. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, that that means that uh, uh, one translation says fan the flame, right? Uh, and you know that that's part of our responsibility over the things that God has given to us to, to fan the flame and to stir it up. Uh, and so we do have responsibility over that. Well, if God wants to use me in that way, He will. Well, that's true. Uh, but we've got to fan the flame and stir it up, right? And be ready, prepared that when the Lord does want to use us, that we're available for Him to use us in that way. Amen. Uh, and so. Whatever gifts the Lord has given to you, stir it up. Amen. Fan the flame uh, and allow the Lord to use you in that way. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand to greet us for just a minute and uh, we'll get into uh, praise and worship. Father, to express our thanksgiving, to breathe out words of life, Father, to speak out adoration, Father, and worship towards you, Father. You alone are worthy to be worshipped. 
You alone, Father, are worthy to be praised, to be adored, Father. And Father, we are responsible on this earth to speak the blessings of the Lord. You said, Father, if we hold our tongue, the very rocks will cry out, Father. There's a need to worship you, Father. All of creation must worship you. And all of creation yields and waits upon the sons of men, Father, to worship you. But if we hold our peace, Father, they'll rise up and praise you in place of us, Father. Father, there'll be no rock that takes our place. No stone, Father, will step in between us and the worship of you, Father. We will worship you, Father. We will declare your goodness and honor you, Father, with our breath, the very breath that you've given to us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. And Father, we do give you all praise and honor for these things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yes, thank you. Yes, Masho to Bede Panama, Mosho Mateke Pikamaka, Boroko, Bashida, Patanako, May Shina Matapako, Boroko, Shinamaka, Bede Bata Shaka, Mashuru, Matoko, May Shidi Panamake, Boroko for the Mazake, Bay Shidi. Thank you, Thank you, The Lord would say to us today that there are many paths in the earth that men can take, paths and steps that they can take. Some will line up with the Word of God, some will line up with the words of men. But I have given the word of God into the earth and paid a great price for it to come into the earth, for my children to follow it into victory, into success, into advancing my kingdom. So follow my word diligently. Resist the temptation to follow the paths of men. Resist the temptation to follow the philosophy that men will bring into my church. Judge everything by my word and refuse to follow any compromise. Refuse to follow anything that my word is in contradiction with. For my church is glorious. My church is designed to be strong and to be undefeated so that they may go into all the world and to every place of the world and bring my good word to bring my good news into all places of the earth so that my kingdom can be full and my house can be full so follow my word without compromise be diligent to follow my spirit and all will be well and the earth shall see my glory 
my kingdom shall be full. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we will be diligent to follow your word. Father, we will be diligent to pursue your word, Father. At all costs, Father. Your word, Father, is precious and worthy, Father, for us to follow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word. And Father, we thank you for being so good to us. And we give you all glory and praise and honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We appreciate His goodness and kindness. And watching over us. Amen. And so, we thank the Lord for all the wonderful things He's given to us. Amen. And um, we have been teaching on Sunday morning about overcoming. And our foundation scripture is here in John 16:33, And He says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if the Lord Jesus has overcome the world, then what's left? Nothing's left, right? Uh, and, you know, I was just meditating on some of these things. And, you know, a verse like this uh, to me is such a great verse. Because from the Lord's perspective, uh, we have uh, the, the capacity and the ability and the right and privilege paid for us by the blood of Jesus to live a life completely without failing, without failing, amen? And, and, and that's not that we're going to fail. I mean, we, we will make mistakes along the way. But, but the thing that I observe many times in the church is that many times people in a church will, will set up and structure their life with the acceptance and approval that, you know, you, nobody can live a perfect life. And it's really a kind of an attitude of compromise. Well, you know, nobody can actually live this way. Uh, and, and it's got to be frustrating to the Lord because he paid such a great price that we have the ability to overcome every single thing in our lives. And yet many times in the church, well, you know, nobody can really live that way. Well, nobody can do that. Uh, and what we're, when we, what we're doing when we do those things and say those things is we're building into our lives the freedom to compromise. We're building into our lives the right to compromise and to say that the Lord didn't mean what he said. And I know we don't really put it in those words, but... Uh, you know, when, many times when, when people, uh, even in the church, uh, meet folks like us that, that love the word and love faith and love uh, the spirit of God in our lives, uh, we make them uncomfortable many times because we don't compromise. We, we don't compromise the word of God. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, uh, when you just when you just broke. Well, you know, you know, you can't just always live for God. Well, you know, uh, you can't really change. And, you know, that's just the way that I am. And, and all of those statements are statements of doubt and unbelief. And they're building into our lives the, the ability and the right to compromise. And, you know, the Lord, he just not one to compromise. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more that I read the word of God and I see how the Lord Jesus interacted with people, he was so kind and patient with people that, you know, were sinners and, and just didn't know any better and hadn't been trained. And, you know, there, there's a lot of folks, even in the church, that just don't know any better. Uh, and, and, you know, the Lord, he's very compassionate about folks like that. But once we know, once, once we're taught, once we're, once we're given this, the precious word of God in our lives and we look at that word and go, there's no way I can live that way. 
you know, then there's a real problem with the Lord. Because then if you go through and look at other stories with the Lord, people that knew better, people that were instructed by the Lord many times. Remember the, the men with the talents, right? They were given instructions. You go take this talent. You go make this talent, uh, uh, make a return for me on this, on this value that I've given to you. And he comes back and, you know, the ones that, that did well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The one that didn't do well, well, Lord, I was afraid. Thou art a hard man. A hard man. Was the Lord compassionate with him? He called him a wicked, and, and, wicked servant. Why? Because he compromised. He chose to look at what he could do and said that can't be done for whatever reason. In him, he said it was fear, but he didn't really fear. I think he was just lazy because he said God was a hard man. He said the Lord was a hard man. The Lord's not a hard man. You know, the Lord, he did say you reap where you don't sow. And the Lord Jesus agreed to that part. But he didn't agree to the part when he said you're a hard man. Because the Lord's not hard. His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. So he's not hard. No, and people, oh, he's a hard God. He's not hard. You know, I told you I was with a banker one time. And he didn't know I was a pastor. And then I told him I'm a pastor. You know, he goes, oh, well, you've got a hard boss. I've got the easiest boss in the whole world. Amen. I've had good bosses and bad bosses. And none of them compare, even shed a, 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 a speck of light compared to the Lord Jesus. How good of a boss he is. Now, he, he doesn't compromise. But he's the best boss there ever has been. Amen. Amen. And, and people, well, he's a hard boss. Well, the reason why people say that is because by saying he's a hard boss, that gives them the opportunity and the right and privilege to compromise in their life. Well, that's too hard. I can't do that. But the problem with that compromise, with that mentality is when you stand before the Lord Jesus, is he going to go, you're right. I I'm sorry. I, I just asked too much of you. I wanted you to get up like once, you know, and pray for an extra hour. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to put so much on you. I mean, is he going to do that? No. He's, he's never going to do that. Uh, and, and yet, so many times in the church, you know, it, it's amazing to me, because to me, I'm just a real simple person, you know, a uh, simple-minded person. When I read the Word of God, okay, that's what it... But that, that mentality of, of, well, that's what it says, that's what we're going to do, really makes some people in the church uncomfortable. It just, you know, well, we should speak in tongues. Okay, well, then we should speak in tongues. That makes people uncomfortable. Well, we can live a life without failing, you know, and, and never compromise. Uh, that makes people uncomfortable, even in the church. Uh, well, you know, we can live a life without excuse. I mean, we could go on excuse. We could preach about excuses until the Lord Jesus comes back. And yet, how many times do we hear people make an excuse? Well, Lord, you're hard. And they push it off on God. Well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. Well, you can know. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there was a, an artist, a, a songwriter many years ago. He's passed now, Keith Green. You know, he, he was... Uh, uh, he was really an exhorter as much as he was an entertainer because he loved the Lord. And, and he had an album called No Compromise. I love that album. Uh, and, and I understand you can get, be so religious and rigid that, you know, there's no grace for anything, right? Uh, there has to be some room for grace, right, in people's lives and mercy, right? Because the Lord showed mercy, mercy many times, right? But in other times, you know, uh, he had to, uh, you can't make a law because sometimes he'd be like, He'd go with a sinner and hey, you know, going to go with uh, Zacchaeus. So, you know, Zacchaeus was a sinner. You know, Matthew, he was a tax collector. Uh, and the Lord called him to be an apostle. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's me and you, it'd be like uh, a tax collector. Let's burn him. Right. But uh, the Lord, the Lord uh, allowed Matthew to come in. So, he, you know, he showed mercy many times. But then the one fellow, the Lord said, follow me. And what did he say? Well, Lord, I got to go bury my father. What did Lord say? Let the dead bury the dead. You know, that sounds like a harsh thing to say. Why? Because he just, he, you know, if the, if the king of kings and the very son of God comes to you and says, follow me. 
to say, you know, Lord, uh, now's not a good time. That's the wrong answer. When the, when, the, when the very Son of God comes to you and says, follow me, making an excuse why you can't is not the right answer. The right answer is, yes, sir, where do I start? You know, and they thought, well, what about my dad? You know, you reckon he knew his dad was dead? I mean, he is the Son of God after all, right? He had the Spirit without measure. He probably knew that his father had died, which is why he picked that particular guy. Because sometimes the Lord will come to us uh, to give us a choice. In the midst of a moment when we have a choice, what are you going to do? What are you going to do right now? And it's not that he's tempting us to sin, but uh, he will try our hearts. And he tried that man's heart and the man failed. And he said, let the, bed there, let, let the dead bury the dead, which was a, a, a horribly unkind thing to do, right? I mean, you can imagine if, if that got out, if somebody said that today, it'd be on the front page of the paper, right? Uh, right above all the drug dealers, right? And, and, and I mean, it seemed like we get in the papers, drug deals and, you know, whatever gone bad. But, but um, local pastor says, let the dead bury the dead, you know. Uh, and, and yet Jesus did that. But, but why does he do that? Because he's a God without compromise. Uh, and again, I know uh, uh, we, we have such a tendency as human beings to be so rigid, to be so legalistic that there's no room for grace. Uh, but at the same point in time, we also got... Uh, so we're so sloppy with our, with our relationship with the Lord that, you know, we don't want to be too radical. I mean, you know, to believe that God always heals, you know, well, that's radical. That's, that's fanatical. That, that's, you know, and they'll use words like that. Well, you're a fanatic. You believe in tongues, you're a fanatic. And I'm thinking, well, I'd rather be a fanatic than, than you know, a doubt and unbelief person, right? I mean, my Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. I mean, he, they never says it, an evil heart of belief, right? He never said that, evil heart of believing me for everything. He never called it that, but he did say an evil heart of unbelief. Well, I don't believe in tongues. <laughs> uh, then I, you know, well, you're judging me. I didn't judge you. The word of God said you have an evil heart of unbelief, you know. Uh, and so, you know, the, the great balance of the church that we have to find is, is to be 100% for God. But, you know, if we do mess up, we, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and, and we go on. If other people mess up, you know, we give them an opportunity to repent. Remember we read about the, the Jezebel in the Old Testament, I mean, in, in, in the book of Revelation? He said he gave her space to repent. See, that, that shows a, a, a people that are kind, right? And, it, and she was not one that you'd pick out, well, she, we need to give her space to repent. She's the kind of person you typically would bury in a backyard, right? Because she's been, been leading people into fornication and, and teaching people. I said she was teaching people. Like a, is there a class on, you know, uh, fornication 101? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what the name of the class was, but, but she was teaching me, instructing people how to fornicate, you know, and, and doing things, uh, wife swapping and different things like that. Uh, and, um, you know, I've spent a lot of people in that class, right? Packed out, right? You know, where's everybody in Sunday school? They're all in that class over there, right? Well, what's wrong with this class over here? I don't, they're not teaching how to fornicate. They're over there, you know, class is full, right? And, uh, and teaching how to fornicate. And they got donuts. I mean, it's like the best of both worlds, right? Uh, and yet Jesus said he gave her space to repent. So we've got to find the balance of, of living a life without compromise. Yes. But, you know, uh, people can be, and you have to, in the moment, you've got to know. You can't just blast everybody out of the water because they're not perfect, because uh, nobody's perfect. I know that's, that's a reality of it. But, but I'm not going to accept that. Well, I'm, just, I'm not perfect, you know. People say that as an excuse to, to not ever change. Uh, I'm still going to change. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to get a little better tomorrow than I am today. Uh, I'm not going to give it up. Well, I'm just, that's just the way that I am. That's the worst excuse. I've heard so many, and it seems like the older we get, the more we use that excuse. Well, that's just the way that I am, you know. 
Well, then grow up and change. Are you breathing air? Then you have time to change, right? Uh, If you breathe your last breath, then that's it. I mean, wherever you're at, that's where you're at. And you're going to go to heaven. uh, And uh, and you may have to go to remedial class. And if you go to heaven unchanged, more than likely, the Lord's going to have me teach you for the next thousand years, right? So you can learn down here. Or we can, we can go back over at the beginning, you know, open up Genesis 1-1 when we get to heaven, right? Now, I don't know what you're going to do about it, but, but uh, uh, as far as I know, there's going to be instruction. There's got to be instruction in heaven. He's got to teach us how to walk by faith because if we don't learn it here, we've got to learn it somewhere. Uh, and so uh, who's he, who do you reckon he's going to have teach those things? I'm sure it's going to be the people that he put on the earth to teach things. Uh, he called them from the, before the foundation of the world. I don't think that calling ends when you get to heaven. I don't know all these things. You know, he doesn't give us a lot of details, but I just suspect that. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll see what, what that happens. But I just, yeah, I just, I hate the thoughts of compromise. I hate, the, in my life, I hate the thought of, of just giving up and saying, you know, I'm just never going to make it. I mean, if you're dealing with something for 20 years, just fight it again. Yes. Uh, 21 years, fight it again. Amen. Yes. Don't give it up. Amen. Uh, remember what we read in, in Luke 18, 1, right? Men ought always to pray and faint not. Yes. And the context of that is, uh, if you're believing God for something, you don't ever quit. If it's a day, a week, if it's 50 years, you don't ever quit. Uh, and and, uh, and you, you hang on to the end. If you never get it, if you, if you breathe your last breath on this earth and you still didn't succeed, uh, it was worth the fight. It was worth the effort. Amen? Uh, because the alternative is just give it up and go, well, it's just the way that I am. Well, you know, nobody can live that way. Well, you know, nobody can actually overcome everything. I mean, no, there's no way. But Jesus said he's overcome the whole world. Uh, and so uh, we, we've got to get this mentality of I'm going to do my very best while I'm breathing on this air, on this earth. Compromise has no place in my life. Being mediocre is just, has got no place in my life. I will pursue the Lord with all my breath. Uh, and people, well, that's fanatical. You know, there's more to life than church. No, there's really not. We're only on this earth to help the people get into heaven. That's it. Everything else is secondary. Careers, jobs, houses, cars, planes. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is getting that fellow over there that doesn't know God into heaven. That's it. Uh, and all the time we waste on, oh, my life is so hard and just always so self-centered and so selfish about how it's all about me. Oh, you know. it's, none of this on this earth is about us. Uh, all of this, uh, all the church, the whole structure of the church, every church building on this earth is only here to instruct the saints on how to get people into heaven and, and to help you get roadblocks out of your life to allow that to happen. Aren't you got any roadblocks in your life that's keeping you from helping people get into heaven? Maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know. That's why we're here, right? If we were all perfect, we wouldn't need church, right? We would just, if there, if there was no need, if we were all perfect, there would no, be no need for the faithful ministry gifts. We would all be evangelists and just evangelizing the world, right? And then we'd get them uh, immediately perfected and, and on the way to heaven. Well, that's not going to happen, right? We're supposed to be going into all the world and bringing people into the structured church to, ins- to instruct them to go back out in the world and, 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 and get more people into heaven. That's really the only, the only purpose of the church. Everything else is secondary. Uh, you know, we thank God for the nursery. We thank God for, you know, the sound equipment. We thank God for playgrounds. And, you know, the, all that's fine. But we're, we're only here to be instructed so that we can get whatever's in uh, hindrance to us getting more people into heaven uh, and learning how to be led by the Holy Ghost to do that, learning how to lay hands on the sick to do that, learning how to obtain the blessings of heaven to do that. Amen? Amen. You know, we talk about finances, and you need finances to go into all the world, right? And so you need to learn how to develop finances in your life. You learn, need to learn how to be blessed 
financially in life so that uh, if you're going, then you have the funds to go. If you're not going, you have the funds to help those that are going. Uh, I mean, everything in our life revolves around the church. And, and, I, and I, I thank God for that. I personally thank God for that. But a lot of times, religious pastors will tell you, well, there's more to life than a church. There's really not. We're here for one purpose and to advance the kingdom of heaven. Every single Christian is only here for one purpose, to advance the kingdom of heaven. Because we're only here for a short period of time, and then we're, we're, then we're all in heaven, right? Uh, and so, so let's turn over to, to the book of Revelation then, and we'll continue there. Uh, so we're here with this particular church at Thyatira, and um, this is the one with our friend Jezebel was there. Well, she's not really a friend, but, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it is important who your friends are, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you've got to walk away from friends, right? Uh, and, and um, you know, I told you about the uh, the dream I had. This was uh, uh, is one of the most one of the most important dreams, I guess, in my life because it was such a powerful dream. But uh, the uh, uh, I was already married, but in my dream, I wasn't married yet, and I was going to marry uh, this girl, and but she wasn't the one. She wasn't Chris, you know, and so she wasn't the one. Uh, and um, but we're at the church on the day of the wedding, uh, and, and the Lord. Uh, speaks to me, he says, you know, uh, this, isn't, this isn't the one. Uh, and in the dream, I just start weeping because I knew I'd, I'd settled in my heart. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do, no matter the cost. And I just started weeping because I knew. I mean, you think about uh, uh, the ramifications of walking away on the day of the wedding. You know, how it affects the, 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 the well, the, how it affects the girl that you're going to marry, right? And then that was the most important thing. Everything else was, you know, I could care less about that, but but, you know, the food and flowers or whatever. But, but it was going to hurt her. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes doing the will of God, there's consequences to that. Uh, and, and they're not always happy consequences. It's, now, you know, you could back that up six months before that. Well, why'd you ask her to marry you to begin with, right? That's really the issue, right? Well, how'd you get to where you're at today? Well, that wasn't part of the dream. The, the point of the dream was that I had to do what the Lord had called me to do. And I had to walk away. In tears, just, you know, for her. Uh, but still walked away. You know, a lot of people would, would, uh, would just do it. Well, I can't, I can't hurt them. Well, you're not hurting them. You're following God. Uh, and when I woke up, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said you've taken your first step to fulfilling my will in your life. Uh, just in the sense that I was willing to do whatever he told me to do regardless of the cost. Uh, and, and there's been many times when I knew there was a cost to follow God. And yet I chose to do it. And, and looking back... You know, and, and there's only been a few times when there were significant consequences. But in the few times when I did that, uh, even though there were significant consequences and people would say the, the worst things about me and, and be unkind towards me, I wouldn't trade a single one of them. I, I, I've always been a better person after that and been been more aware of the presence of God after doing the things that cost me in the natural realm great things and, and, and much persecution but I've always been better off for doing it, always. Never have I, although it cost me you know, persecution and different things, I've never come out behind in following the plan of God for my life. Not a single time, never. Always been better off, every single time. Uh, and now, you know, after doing it all these years, it's like, whatever, you know. You get mad at me because I follow God? That's your problem. That's not even my problem. You know, uh, I won't even lose a wink of sleep about it. But... Uh, one of my favorite statements that uh, Dr. Dufresne used to say, Dr. Dufresne, he said, he said, always follow the will of God. He said, leave the consequences of following him uh, with him. 
and, and you know that, that's a, that's a I think it's a great statement because uh, we have to follow the will of God. Amen. Uh, and now listen. That to do that, you have to be honest that what you're doing really is the will of God, not just what you want to do, right? Because how many people have used the name of God to do things that were unkind in the name of the Lord? I mean, all of the, all of the crusades. Well, this is the name of the Lord. We're going to go murder some people down in, in the Middle East. Really? That's not the will of God, right? You're just saying that. Uh, and so, you know, you, you will have to stand in judgment if, if you're making that up. Hopefully none of you all do that. But I've met many Christians who will say things in the name of the Lord that were never in the name of the Lord. Uh, and, and so, because most of the time, uh, if you're following God's will, the only one that's going to hurt is you. Uh, and other people may not like it. Uh, you know, I mean, the man that should have followed God instead of burying his dad, would, did, did the dad care? Was he upset that, that he didn't go to his funeral? Was he, did he care at all? No, he could care less, right? I mean, there was no care at all. It was like, oh, my dad's going to be upset. Really? You think so? No, he's not going to be upset. Uh, and so... You know, I remember one time, uh, in fact, it was when, uh, when Dr. Dufresne died. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he died in, a, in an airplane accident. And, um, uh, and so, of course, you know, you got all the things. And especially when somebody of, of his stature dies, it, it takes a week or two to get everything organized, right? Because people got to fly in from around the world and all this. So you can't just have it tomorrow. You've got to wait a week or so. And so uh, and they took about that long to get everything organized and, well, about the time of his funeral, I had scheduled to go to Africa to, uh, to do some mission work. And I was, you know, I was trying to decide, well, what should I do? And, and it really wasn't a hard decision. Uh, it was really more that I just wanted to go and pay my respects to, to Dr. Dufresne than anything, right? It wasn't because, well, somebody could be mad if I don't go. I mean, I, you know, I don't care. But, but you know, I talked to a, a good friend of mine, another pastor, and said, you know, I'm thinking about going to Africa. What do you think? He goes, well, uh, I can guarantee you what Dr. Dufresne would tell you to do. He said, go to Africa because he's dead, right? He doesn't care if I'm there or not, you know. In fact, he's not there, right? Now, he may see it from heaven, but he's not, he's not taking role. You didn't even show up at my funeral, you know. I mean, <laughs> you think he's going to be upset because we didn't show up? No, he's not, he's not, he doesn't care. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I said, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna go to Africa. And so I was talking to another pastor about it. Yeah, he said, uh, uh, he said are you going to the funeral? I said, no, I've, I've, I've got to. Uh, I've got a mission trip already scheduled for Africa. I'm going to go there instead. He was so upset, he got up and left. He wouldn't even talk to me anymore. He just he left. He got so mad at me because I wouldn't go to this funeral. And in, in his mind, I was showing disrespect to, to Dr. Dufresne. And, uh, and uh, we'll let Dr. Dufresne sort this out when we get to heaven, right? Because uh, I know which side he's going to be on, right? Because he doesn't care. Uh, and so, uh, so that minister got really mad at me, you know, because he thought I was showing disrespect to somebody. There's no disrespect in, in worshiping a dead body. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, the, the people in the earth that are alive are the people we need to help. Uh, once Dr. Frame was gone, there was no need to help him anymore. He was, he's happy in heaven, right? Uh, and so, so, I mean, there will be times when you do things that will, will get people upset. But you have to decide in your own heart, why are you doing that? You know, there are plenty of people who will do things with the intent, purpose of upsetting you. Well, that's wrong. If I do something with the intention of hurting you, that's wrong. Well, I just, you know, I can't compromise. Yeah, but you're doing it to stick your thumb in my eyeball. You're doing it to hurt me. You're doing it to show me or whatever, you know. Uh, and that's unkind and uncalled for. But sometimes the Lord calls you to do things, and, and other people will not be happy that the Lord calls you to do those things. Uh, and, um, 
you know, you've got to follow the will of God. You know, no compromise. Jesus overcome the whole world. No compromise on our part. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we're here at, at the church at Thyatira. And you remember uh, with uh, that was the one with Jezebel. And, and so he started giving them instructions of here's how you need to overcome. And the first thing he said was to repent if you've sinned with Jezebel. That's probably a good place to start, right? Now, look, uh, did he say and throw you out, throw them all out of the church? Did he give did he give even the people that were hooked up with Jezebel an opportunity to repent? Sure. You know, the craziest thing in, in my mind is when when people in a church sin and we throw them out of the church. Now, you know, I understand there's certain things, you know, if it's dealing with children, you probably got to throw them out of the church. Right. But, you know, even adultery, this is adultery. Right. Did he throw them out of the church? What do you tell them to do? Repent. You know, people can repent. They have the ability to repent and change. Yeah. And, and, and it's been my observation that many times when, 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 when somebody's caught in a sin and you go and, and uh, allow them to repent, they'll be the best person you ever met. They will never fail like that again. Uh, they'll be the most faithful, most secure person uh, ever because they, they will repent uh, and they'll change and, and uh, they'll be thankful that the Lord, the Lord gave them an opportunity. Uh, and, and, you know, we've got plenty of scripture. That Galatians 6, 1 says to restore such a one, right? If you see your brother and father, you were just spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. And what was Jesus doing? He was restoring those that had gotten hooked up with Jezebel. Uh, and so, uh, so what's the rule? There's no rule. The rule is uh, whatever the spirit of God wants to do. If he tells you to get rid of them, then you get rid of them, right? Tell them to go somewhere else. Uh, if he tells you to give them a chance to repent, then you give them a chance to repent. And from my perspective, I always I always start with mercy. Lord, can we have mercy in this situation, which means to give them the opportunity to repent. Right. Uh, can we can we can we give them mercy? Uh, and I think the Lord, the, the Bible says that, that mercy smiles in the face of judgment. So there's plenty of opportunities, including this one, uh, where the Lord gave them an opportunity to repent. Uh, and so. And he, t- he said several, he told several of the churches to repent. That's one way that they had to overcome was to repent. Uh, and so, uh, but then he told them to hold fast the things that you have. If you didn't sin, right? So if you didn't, if you didn't sneak off with Jezebel, you need to hang on to what you've got because there's still going to be pressure to let it go. There's still going to be pressure to compromise. Uh, and, and so he, I think we had read this verse. Uh, uh, well, we'd read this verse, I know already. Is it in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Uh, and so you've got to uh, hang on to these things, right? Uh, because there's such pressure to give up faith. There's such pressure in the church to, to give up the word of God. Uh, just like the word that the Lord spoke to us tonight to, or this morning, uh, that uh, we've got to hang on to the word of God. Follow the word of God at all costs. Hold on to it. Uh, and and uh, uh, you ever seen uh, these big ships, you know, they've, they've got to... Uh, uh, steer these big ships right uh, and if there's big waves and storms it, it's tough to hold on to the that we, that wheel right to hold on to that and, and stay the course uh, and uh, and that's really what he means by hold fast is you've got to stay the course you've got to hang on to the to the steering wheel and regardless of what the external things coming against you are you hang on so if someone well, you know you, you shouldn't believe in healing because you know my grand aunt on my mother's side died Okay, but I still believe in healing. Well, you shouldn't. Well, because so-and-so died. You know, Sister Doodad, she died. She was a saint of God. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to let go 
of the Word of God. They're trying to let you go, you know. Well, you can't just live right for God all the time, you know. Sometimes you just got to, you know, sometimes you just can't help it. Sometimes you got to say things that you, you know, sometimes you, you just got to let her fly, right? Some, you know, uh, sometimes you just got to cuss and let it out, you know. What are they doing? They're trying to get you to let go and, and, just, and just go wherever the winds go, right? Because if you let go of the steering wheel, which direction does the ship go? It just goes wherever the wind goes, right? Just, uh, and that's what people... People love it when, when you are no threat to their, uh, to their failings. You know, if you don't fail, that makes them uncomfortable. You know, if you don't fail like them all the time, it makes them uncomfortable. And, and there's many people whose goal is to get you to fail, so it makes them okay, makes them comfortable. It's not really about you. It's about them. They're selfish. And they want you to fail because that makes them less, uh, uh, they think they get a, a buy or, or an out. Well, they failed too. But the Lord's not going not gonna to bring anybody else in when he talks to you. It's going to be between you and him, right? Uh, and so, but, but uh, Paul told the Thessalonians, hang on, hold fast, uh, restrain it, uh, the things th- that are good. But he said, prove all things, right? Someone, said, when someone says, well, you know, you just can't live that way. Was that true? You got to prove that. And you go, well, no, according to the word of God, he says he'd overcome the whole world. So it seems like you could live that way if you wanted to, right? Live a life free from, from failing. Uh, and so hold fast that which is good. Uh, you know, Brother Hagin always used a colloquial term, eat, eat the sticks and leave the hay, right? Take the good stuff, uh, prove all things, right? So whatever I say, you prove it, right? Is that, is that what the Word of God says? Is, does the Word of God say that? Uh, and, and if it says that, well, then you hang on to that. If I say something, you just out of my own, well, you know, and I've heard plenty of ministers say things like, well, you know, nobody should ever wear shorts. Okay, I mean, how, how short is shorts, right? When, when do they become shorts? I mean, they start out as pants and when, they, when they're growing up, right? And someday they become shorts. But when do they become a short, right? Is it when they're one inch above your ankle? Two inches, three inches, four inches, five inches? I, mean, I don't know. What's the, what's the definition? Uh, and, and so, uh, but is there any Bible for that? I don't, you know, I mean... Could you wear shorts that are that are decent and modest? Well, sure you could. Could you wear shorts that are decent, that are indecent and immodest? Well, sure you can. Well, where's the line at? Well, we don't know where it is, but we all know where it is, right? It's like, oh yeah, you know. I mean, how many times have people come to church and you have to do this right here? Like, well, nice to meet you, you know. <laughs> uh, and you know, well, thank God we don't have to do that right here. But you know, I mean, there's been plenty of times, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I remember one time we went out to California, and um, the whole church. I mean, they just uh, uh, you know, around here, they wouldn't dress that way. But out there in California, I don't know what it, what it was, you know, but I mean, every dress was tight and every, everything was short. And I mean, it was just, you know, uh, I, had, I was counting ceiling tiles all during the service, you know, uh, because, I mean, you get distracted looking around, you know, and seeing all these things. And, and, and that was just their culture. And, and, you know, is that right or wrong? It's not, I'm not your judge, right? They seem to be comfortable with that. You know, now, could you do it and be, have the wrong attitude? Sure you could. I mean, if you, if you wear it and, you know, you're, you're a size whatever and you wear three sizes less than that, you know, to make sure everybody sees everything, you know, th- then if that's your motivation, then you're wrong. But if you just like the way it looks, I, I, don't, I don't have a number, right? And so don't, well, pastors, I'm, gonna, I'm not telling you what to do, what not to do. You know what to do in your own heart, amen? Uh, and, um, and so, uh, but they were that way. I mean, you were there, right? Uh, you probably didn't notice as much as I noticed, but uh, <laughs> but but you know that just you know that that was their culture, 
And so you just, I just leave it alone. None of my business, right? Uh, and so, uh, because I, there was no intent that I could tell that they were trying to, you know, uh, uh, flaunt things and, you know, do things to try to get anybody to, to uh, 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 get out of, the, out of the Spirit of God, you know. And, and so I just leave it alone. Amen. Just, uh, just, uh, and so, uh, uh, so he said, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. And he told, uh, uh, remember, that's what he told them. To the, if you haven't sinned, hold fast, right? The things that you've got. Uh, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, uh, 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words. So he told the Thessalonians, hold fast that which is good. He told Timothy, hold, hold fast the form of sound words, which you have heard of me in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. Hold fast the form of sound words. You know, if the Bible goes forth and the word of God goes forth, hang on to that. Right. And we teach a lot about healing around here. But how much pressure is there to give it up in the church? We teach a lot about speaking in tongues around here. How much pressure is to give it up? Right. Well, we don't want we don't make anybody uncomfortable speaking in tongues. You know, you know, I mean, just well, we're going to speak in tongues anyway. Right. Uh, and, if, and if that makes people uncomfortable, that's not my problem. Right. Because why are you uncomfortable? It's in the Bible. You know, I've been to so many different churches over over uh, the time that I've known the Lord. And I'm just never uncomfortable in church. You know, I've seen a lot of crazy, wild things in church, right? I mean, just break dancing and, you know, all kinds of just crazy things, you know. Uh, and um, just, not just not uncomfortable, right? I don't, I don't hook up with a lot of it, right? Remember, I think I told you a time they started singing. Uh, well, it makes me want to shout, you know, lift my hands up and shout, you know, that song. It's not a Christian song, right? Uh, it's just, but they thought it was cool. And it's like, well, that's crazy, you know. Uh, but it didn't make me uncomfortable. But sometimes when you preach about faith, it makes people uncomfortable. Why? Because they don't want to hold the, fa- hold the form of sound words, hold fast the form of sound words. If it's in the Bible, we hold it fast, right? Yeah. If speaking in tongues is in the Bible, we hold it fast. Signs, wonders, and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Is that in the Bible? Well, sure it is. So we hold it fast, right? Well, you're fanatical. I'm not fanatical. We're not. We're as normal. I mean, we're, uh, to, in my mind, this church right here is we're as normal. I mean, we're right down the middle of the road normal. We're not way over here, and we're not way over there. We're right down the middle of the, world, the road. We believe in signs, wonders, diverse miracles, raising from the dead, healing the sick, you know, speaking in tongues, prophesying, praying. Uh, and that's as normal as it can be. And some people say that you're fanatical. Why? Because they've thrown out, uh, the, the, uh, what did he say, the form of sound words. They've thrown it out. Those sound words make them uncomfortable. So they've thrown them out. They want to just... Well, let's just talk about, you know, Andy Griffith and, and being nice and mowing your grass and, and, and being kind to each other and winking, you know, nodding. And uh, I mean, just, you know, bleh, you know, just stuff like that. Just you just, just it's, it, to me, it's distasteful. Right. Yeah. So hold fast, that, which is good. Hold fast the form of sound words. He told the, the, the children in the book of Hebrews. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and they're rejoicing in the hope uh, firm until the end. The confidence that God does what he says he's going to do. Right? The confidence that if I speak these words, they will come to pass. We've got to hold fast to confidence. Uh, and some people, they, they have no confidence in the word of God. Yeah, you know, it never works for me. Prayer never works for me. They've got no confidence. Jesus, hold fast. Hang on to that. Uh, I mean, with, with all the storms and all the winds, you've got to hang on to that, those, those words and stay the course because there's so much pressure in the church they're compromised and give it up. And he, and he told the, the, the whole church, hold fast. 
hang on to these things. Uh, and then uh, the last one here, also in the book of Hebrews, he told them to hold fast the profession of their faith without wavering. You ever been uncomfortable just sometimes telling people that you speak in other tongues? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't, but you get around certain people and they'd, they'd, be, they'd be like, oh, you're one of those, you know. Uh, and what are they doing, trying to do? They're trying to get you to let go of your profession of faith. Yeah, God's a healer 100% of the time without exception. Every single time he desires to heal us. Never, never a single time in the history of the human race has God ever desired anybody to be sick. And that includes every living person on the earth today. Well, you know, many people in the church would, would not like that statement. And many people in the church would try to get you to, to lose the profession of your faith, to stop professing that part of your faith. Uh, God can overcome every single devil in the whole world in a blink of an eye. You remember when he cast uh, uh, Lucifer out of heaven? He sent Michael. He didn't even do it himself. Hey, hey, Michael, there's some noise over there. Would you go deal with that? Well, it's Lucifer. Yeah, whatever. You know, just deal with it, would you? I mean, you know, it's not even a big thing for him to do that. Uh, and, and yet, we want to give it up because, well, you know, I don't know if the Lord really is that way or not. Uh, he's so powerful, right? He's more powerful than all the devils. And yet, we give the devil so much glory in the church. All oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know. Blah, 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 right? He's just... A race to the bottom, right? Oh, you think you feel bad. I feel twice as bad as you. I thought he's my healer. Uh, hold fast your profession. Don't give it up. If everybody around you say, oh, I feel bad. Oh, you think you feel bad. I feel bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I listen. Uh, it's going around. I mean, it's probably going to up here pretty soon. You know, you just wait. You know, I'm always the first one to get it. Well, usually second or third. You know, we have a little faith. I'm the second or third one to get it. Not the first one. Second or third, right? Because we're people of faith, right? We're second or third people of faith, right? Uh, and so... Uh, no, I'm the healed of God. Amen. I don't get it. I don't plan on getting it. I choose not to participate. Amen. Amen. That's what I tell people, you know, uh, did you get that? No, I chose not to participate. Uh, did, you, did, you, uh, did you lose all that money in the, in the economic downturn? Nope, I chose not to participate. Amen. Did you get sick like everybody else? Nope, I chose not to participate. And they look at you like, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, but I'm happy. I may be weird, but I'm happy yes. and I'm healthy and I'm prosperous. Yes. And people think you're weird. Yeah, well, become be like weird like me. I mean, you know, I'm going to hang on to it. I'm not going to give it up because if everybody, you know, what, what do you say in Psalm 91? A thousand shall fall at my left hand, right? Uh, uh, at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. It's not going to come near me. Why? Because when a thousand fall, what, what, what's the pressure to give it up? To stop holding fast the profession of our faith. To, 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 uh, uh, to say, well, you know, if they fell, I guess, I guess I, I'm going to fall too. I mean, I've had people tell me, well, you know, so-and-so fell. You, there's no chance you can make it. <laughs> I don't care if they all fall. I'm still going to make it. If Brother Hagin fell at the end of his ministry, he never did. But if he did, well, see, then you can't make it. If Brother Hagin couldn't make it, you can't make it. Brother Hagin did not die for me. He did not shed a single drop of blood for me. It doesn't matter if he made it, didn't make it, or halfway made it. Uh, uh, I'm making it. Amen. I'm going to hold fast the profession of my faith. That's what he told the church. And he said, that's how you're going to overcome, is, is hanging on to these things. Amen? How many of these things has the church given up? Hold fast that which is good. Hold fast the form of sound words. Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. And hold fast the profession of your faith. How many things have we, of these things have we given up? You look at the Pentecostal church from where we started. Radical, you know, tongue-breathing, uh, crazy people. A hundred years ago, 
to polite and, and comfortable, uh, well-dressed, you know, well-spoken people that's, that's polite. And, uh, you know, and, I'm, and I, you know, I don't think we have to swing from the chandeliers to be godly, but, but uh, we've almost uh, gotten so comfortable and so polite, we've, we've uh, made the Holy Ghost uncomfortable. Now, you know, sometimes he wants to speak in tongues. Sometimes he wants to lay hands on the sick. Sometimes he wants to prophesy. Uh, and well, you know, that, that makes us uncomfortable. Really? Uncomfortable in the very church that the Lord created, right? Uh, and so, now we're going to hold fast. Uh, if that makes people uncomfortable, you know, I, I, really, I really hate it for them. I, I have no goal, no desire to make anybody uncomfortable. Never. I have no goal or desire to hurt anybody that's ever been in, in this ministry. But I'm not going to compromise because somebody walks in and, well, they've got a visitor. We can't speak in tongues with a visitor here, you know? Well, I mean, maybe they need to hear some tongues, right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, we're not going to speak in tongues because they're here either. Right. We're not going to say, well, we're going to, okay, they're here, so now, now let's, let's really show out. Well, that's just as ungodly as, as holding back, right? Yeah. Showing out is just as bad as holding back. Yeah. Uh, but the context of this, is, he's telling them, don't, don't uh, let go of these things. Uh, if, if speaking in tongues is in the Word of God, praise God, we're going to speak in tongues. If healing's in the Word of God, we're going to hold fast to that. And we're going to uh, believe God every single time. What if you don't get it every single time? I don't care. I'm going to get it the next time. Right. It, 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 any failing is on me. That's right. There's never a failing in the Lord. If there's a failure of, of obtaining healing or of, of obtaining uh, tongues or obtaining uh, salvation or deliverance, whatever it is, it's always on me. So I'm going to find, figure it out the next time. Uh, and I can't tell you how many things I've failed and failed and failed and finally go to the Lord. So, Lord, what's up? He goes, well, if you do this and this and this, you'll straighten up. It'll, it'll work for you. Okay, Lord. Because I never accused him of failing. Well, Lord, how come you didn't do that? I'm going to hold fast. You know how many people get mad when, when, when you say God didn't do that? God didn't bring Katrina. God doesn't bring tornadoes. God doesn't bring earthquakes. They look at you like, you're crazy. Well, it's crazy, but it's not on me. You're crazy to think that an all-perfect, loving, kind God would send a tornado on anybody's head. Why would you think that? I thought he said he loved the whole world, except for that group over there. I mean, and, you know, okay, they, okay, well, that group, yeah, well, it's, it's fine, right? No, it, it, it's not fine. We're going to hold fast to profession of our faith, amen? Because there's so much pressure to give it up. And this church fell under the pressure. This church fell under pressure when some woman walked in and said, hey, you know, I'm important right here, and you all need to compromise and, and live in sin like me. And a bunch of them did. We don't know how many, but a bunch of them did. They, they let go of what they knew. Why? Because Jezebel was somebody important. Jezebel, you know, was a looker. Jezebel somehow convinced us to start doing things that we, ought, we knew. We, we, yesterday, we'd have never done that. But today, we started doing it because Jezebel, Jezebel showed up. And if you change course and direction significantly because somebody shows up, you're probably in sin. Amen? Uh, because we know, we know the, the call of God upon this ministry, and we're going to stay the course. Now, if Lord, the Lord can change anything. And if he reveals to, to me and Chris that we need to change it, we'll be glad to change it. No problem at all. But if somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, this tongue, if you guys wouldn't, wouldn't speak in tongues as much, you know, there'd be more people show up. You know, I've had people tell me, well, if it's so, you know, uh, one person told me that if, if, if I'll quit mentioning Kenneth E. Hagin's name, you know, they'll bring more people to church. <laughs> really? Kenneth E. Hagin. Kenneth E. Hagin. You want me to say it again? Kenneth E. Hagin. <laughs> I mean, who cares? Shut up. I'm not going to compromise. You know, now I, I was more kind to them than, than that. But, you know, sometimes you get riled up about things. And, and you want me to compromise uh, to, to keep you here? Uh, you know, 
I'll be polite. I'll open up the door for you. You know, because you know, don't, don't let the door hit you on the way out. No, I'll open it for you. Let me get the door for you. I mean, what in the world? Because if I compromise, I've got to answer the Lord Jesus for it. If I compromise, I'm not answering to you. Someday, if I compromise, I'm, the, I'm not going to get to heaven and you're going to go, hey, come. I'm not answering to you. I've got to answer the Lord Jesus. And to the best of my ability, I'm not going to compromise. Because he said, I mean, he told this church right here, you failed because you compromised. You failed because you let it go. You failed and did not overcome because you chose to let somebody come in and do things that were ungodly in the church and, and you could not, you, you didn't feel compelled to deal with it. Uh, now, he gave them all an opportunity to repent, didn't he? He didn't burn them, bury them, shoot them in the kneecap or anything. But he did tell them to straighten up and to hold fast. Amen. So if he told this church to hold fast, what do you think he's telling us? Same thing. Hold fast. Why did he, do, why did he tell this church to, do, to hold fast? Because the church today is not holding fast. The church today has let go so many things. I mean, you know, you get, you know, we've got a funeral at three o'clock today. I'm going to wear a suit and tie to the funeral. Um, how many, when was the last funeral you went to that the minister wasn't wearing a suit and tie? I don't remember if I even can recall one. But you go to regular church, you know, they want, oh, they don't want to wear a suit and tie. You know, they wear them when they're dead, but they won't wear them when they're alive. <laughs> well, you know, the guy's in a casket, he could care less you wear a suit and tie. And I know God, doesn't, he's not in the suit and tie, but it's just the compromise about it. You know, well, we want the world to feel comfortable coming in the church. The world's always comfortable sensing the presence of God. The world is not more comfortable when they sense flesh. Their flesh is more comfortable, but their spirits are not more comfortable. Amen. Uh, and so we're going to hold fast. If the Lord tells me to quit wearing a tie someday, then fine, I'll quit wearing a tie someday. But if, if my wearing a tie makes you uncomfortable... You need to grow up. I mean, that's just all there is to it, right? I mean, it's just a piece of silk, right? Some little worm somewhere made this little tie, right? A long time ago. Uh, and so uh, we're going to hold fast. Amen. And the very last thing he said, he said, keep his words to the end. He just reiterated, right? Hold fast. Keep his words to the end. That's what he told the church there at Thyatira. Uh, and uh, I think this church right here, as far as in, the, in this story in the book of Revelation, uh, is very reflective of the church today. How many things have we let go in the church, in the Pentecostal church? You know, and I know we know there's no such thing as Pentecostal church from the Lord's perspective, but even in the Pentecostal churches, how many things have we let go? We don't want to be radical. We don't want to worship God too much. You know, we want to have nice, calm songs. You know, and uh, no, every now and then we got to pull out. Look what the Lord has done. You know, uh, uh, He picked me up. I mean, you got to, uh, you know, let your hair down every now and then, right? Uh, and, and my hair is not even that long to let down, but sometimes you've got to let it down, right? Uh, and so we're going to hold fast to the end, amen? Uh, and do what the Lord instructed us with kindness and mercy and, and grace, but we're going to stay the course, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, we thank you that we can hold fast. You instructed us to do it, and Father, if you instructed us to do it, then we have the capacity, the grace, the ability by your word and through your spirit to do it, Father, to never compromise, Father, to never, never let go. Always do what you instruct us to do, Father. Not with the intention of harming anybody, Father, but with, with the sincere, uh, unfeigned faith to follow your word to the best of our ability. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He is. All hearts and minds clear, right? <laughs> uh, we thank God for his goodness. Amen. Uh, and I love the word of God. I love following the word of God. It's been a, such a blessing to me all my life. Uh, and um, uh, you can ask my wife, you know, I'm not perfect, right? But, uh, uh, but um, uh, we're going to get better every day, amen? 
And I think, we, don't we have communion today? You, you guys okay taking a minute to receive communion? I mean, you might, the Baptist might beat you at the restaurant if we take communion, but uh, it'll be okay, right? Uh, and so I've got nothing against Baptists, you know, just, just, uh, just saying it, right? I don't keep up with, you know, oh, there goes a Baptist, right? You know, um, and so, uh, Johnny, didn't you grow up in Baptist church? Isn't that right? Uh, Chris got saved in Baptist. Oh, you went to church God mostly after that? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. There you go. It's hard to be a good Baptist, you know. They'll get you born again 50 times if that's what it takes, right? <laughs> uh, uh, hey, you know, we know one time is sufficient, but hey, you know, sometimes people just got to make sure, right? So that's better than not getting people born again, right? Well, we don't make anybody uncomfortable, you know. Let's not get them born again. You know how mad they're going to be if they wake up in hell? How come he never told me the gospel? How come he never preached the salvation to me? So there's going to be a lot of Baptists up in heaven. We're looking forward to seeing them, right? We can't agree on a lot of doctrine, but we can believe, uh, agree on salvation, right? Uh, and, uh, of course, that's really the most important thing anyway is salvation. Everything else is secondary. Helpful and valuable, but still secondary. Uh, and so, praise God. Well, is the Lord good? Did you guys get, uh, you guys haven't got waited on yet, have you? Okay. All right, we'll just wait on Jared here. I know, he's got, uh, Jared's the man, right? Jared's got a whole rack of hats that he wears here at the church, so. We're going to make Jared really uncomfortable and thank him for all the things that he does, right? (laughs) He does a great job running the sound. You know, I mean, uh, I've had to teach him a lot of things about running sound, but I rarely have to come out and say, Jared, you know, just this or just that. You know, he just takes care of it, and he, you know, he figures out how to get CDs burned and uh, things up on Facebook and Vimeo, and, and um, you know, it, it's awesome. You know, how much thing, you know how many things I don't have to do because Jared's here? Uh, and so it's a real blessing, amen? And um, uh, I know that uh, he doesn't like getting attention there, but, uh, you know, but it's okay to, to thank people, Amen. Uh, and um, uh, some people are there. Well, you should have to thank people. Well, it's okay. I mean, Jesus said, well done, thou good and faithful servant, didn't he? So, you know, I think it's okay for us to do that. So let's thank the Lord for the opportunity to receive the communion today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people, remind ourselves, Father, you said do this uh, as often as you do it in remembrance of you. We remind ourselves, Father, what you've done for us. And Father, you said take this bread, which is your body, broken for us, Father, so you chose, Father, to allow your body to be broken for us on our behalf. Every stripe you took, you, you saw out in the, the days and years and centuries in the future and saw that that stripe would help uh, us, Father, uh, to be healed of some specific sickness or disease. And so you allowed it to come to pass. You allowed the people to harm you so that you could pay for the healing of our bodies. And this bread represents the great price you paid for us, Father, for that. And so we thank you for that, Lord. Uh, And we receive it, believing that we are the healed of God uh, all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name. And Father, for the precious blood of Jesus, there's no substance more precious than all all the universe, Father. It was the only thing valuable enough to purchase us out of the depths of sin. Father, when you calculated the cost of paying for all the sins of the world, uh, of every uh, man, woman, and child in the earth for all existence, the only substance you found in all the universe 
was the blood of Jesus. It was enough, Father, to pay for all the sins. And so, Father, we thank you for the willingness to send your son. The willingness, Father, to allow him to bleed and shed blood on our behalf. It was the only way, Father. And so you chose to allow it to happen. And for that, we thank you, Father. Thanking you because your blood was shed that we can stand before you clean, washed in your blood. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is still good. Amen. And so here comes Mr. Jared again. Um, and um, he'll collect all these things here. And then he's got to put on his other hat so we can receive an uh, offering here. Someday we'll have hundreds of people here, right? And Jared may not have to do every single thing. But, you know, he may still want to do it. You know, some people are like, well, I still want to do it. You know, and, okay, fine. You know, but... Um, we're not going to fire him for any, anything, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Um, <clears throat> well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, amen? Is the Lord good? Yes. And, and, of course, you know, uh, we've got the little thing up there if you want to give electronically, and many folks give electronically, um, and um, it's just easy, you know. Uh, if I wasn't writing the checks, I'd probably do it electronically too, you know. My wife takes care of that, so I do everything online, you know, just if it's, that way, somebody else can take care of it, and, and uh, it's all done. So, but uh, it's a good opportunity to, to uh, thank the Lord today, amen, as we, as we receive an offering on his behalf. So, Father, we thank you uh, that we've got to gather together as your people, Father, to learn from your word, Father, to learn what your word has told us. And, Father, we thank you that, that uh, it's a good seed and that we are good soil. And, Father, we thank you that as we go forth this week, that that seed will grow and be multiplied, Father, and produce great fruit in our lives. And so, Father, as we gather together as your people, we thank you that, that we have been given blessings into our lives, Father, finances that uh, we can now give to you, Father, in honor and reverence, thanking you for the, the good jobs that you've given to us, Father. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you uh, that as we give, that you said in your word, that we good measure, pressed down and shaken together, shall men give into our bosom. And we give you all the praise and the honor for those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, and uh, receive the offering. There's Jared again. So <laughs> uh, I'll probably hear about it later, you know. Don't do that, Dad. Um, but that's all right, you know. People that are faithful, uh, you know, the Lord, uh, the, one of the greatest things you can learn is to be faithful in your life because that's really the, the, the path that he's able to get the full blessings of the Lord into your life is through your faithfulness, amen? He didn't say perfection. He said faithfulness, amen? There's a difference. Uh, and so don't forget uh, Bo's uh, funeral is today at 3 o'clock up at Colton Garrison. Uh, and uh, if you get a chance and want to come out, of course, you'll be there with several hundred of your closest friends, I'm sure. It'll be packed out there. Um, and so, um, but be praying for the family, even if you don't get to make it to the funeral, be praying for the family for comfort and, and all the blessings of the Lord that comes along with that. Uh, and... Um, uh, so no healing school today then. So we'll see you all uh, Wednesday then. Uh, we good? Anything else? All right. You all be blessed. Have a wonderful week and you're dismissed. <laughs>